you're gonna have so many people in your life to tell you that you're not doing the right thing or that they don't believe in you and just don't support you and stuff but that's just because they're jealous and they haven't achieved what they want to achieve in their own life and like it's hard it's hard because it gets to you sometimes but i found like you really just got to push through that barrier and like do the things that make you happy because if you're not happy then there's no point in doing what you're doing you know Hey, it's Nat, your host of the All In Podcast, and today we have my friend and training partner when she is in town, Sophia Jensen. She is a Canadian sprint canoeist, eight times world champion, as well as student athlete. On the podcast today, we talk about eating as a female athlete, body image, and being muscular. We talk about her Olympic dream and sprint canoeing getting into the Olympics for the first time just last year in 2021, which should have been, you know, the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. We talk about her training schedule on training camps, how she manages recovery as well as mental health on the road, and how she stays motivated and pushes when she isn't feeling it. So without further ado, let's go all in. All right, welcome to the All In Podcast. I'm here with my lukewarm iced coffee attempt. I usually don't drink coffee this late, but uh, Sophia, our guest today, we were doing a really tough workout this morning, and honestly, I like need the energy. So, Sophia, how's it going? Yeah, I'm pretty tired. I'm going to need another. Actually, I haven't even had a coffee yet. I'm going to have one probably around like three o'clock, which is super rare, but I feel like I'm going to need one today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely feel that like that, uh, that workout we did, like took all my like CNS and also all like my carbs. I'm like trying to eat, eat it back. Yeah. I think that's exactly what I was doing before this. I was like eating a bowl of honeycomb. <laughs> oh yeah. I had pizza. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's perfect. So, you you guys are listening to a podcast of two female athletes talking about our <laughs> elite nutrition habits. I like it. Oh my God. Yeah. If you were to ask my coaches, like they would probably tell you that I have like one of the worst nutrition habits on this. Like we were in California for a while for the national team training camp. And every evening I would bring up like a cup of frosted flakes to my room and I would just munch on frosted flakes until I went to bed. <laughs> oh, I would do the same. One time I, I was at a world cup and my like I wasn't competing in big air <clears throat> I like I don't know why actually I just chose not to and I went to like I said I told my friends I was gonna go support them and watch it was like in the city downtown Quebec City and then they came back like where were you <laughs> I was at the buffet eating like eight pieces of cheesecake <laughs> oh my god that's the best though I mean you guys got cheesecake at world cup my last uh like worlds I went to our meal was like they asked you if you wanted chicken or fish and some people chose like the fish option and it was just like a big old octopus testicle of uh, like tentacle oh my gosh and we were just like no one was prepared, prepared for this and it was like super bland and just like one tentacle and it was so weird sometimes <laughs> so like people I think people don't understand that like when they look at athletes they think you know you have such control over what you eat and all these things but then yeah you go to like these world cups and like the buffets sometimes are just a lot of like strange things that you aren't used to eating and like i i've got food but i think my first world juniors i got food poisoning um and that sucked and like i've been places where actually i had a teammate and she used to pack like cereal all these like candy and sugars she would pack them in her snowboard bag because she was like terrified she had like this fear of eating the food at like all these different places like she just was like very 
I guess, just specific and picky about her food, which I'm also picky. So like, how, how does that affect you when you're traveling and like competing? No, that's, yeah, that's a really valid thing to be afraid of. Um, well, for canoe kayak, we tend to travel like mainly to like Eastern European countries. And so the food is definitely like not what you're used to or what you would be expecting. Um, yeah, packing snacks is probably a good idea. I haven't learned my lesson yet for some reason, <laughs> but like, but it's kind of fun. Like every time you get there, it's always a little, something a little different. Like breakfast in like Hungary is like deep fried toast and stuff like so strange it's like the weirdest thing and then but then food at the race course is sometimes either like really really bad or you can get some good options like in Portugal that's where they were doing the octopus and stuff and it was like the weirdest thing that's all they would give you to like one banana some octopus and like if you're lucky you get like the bottle of water (laughs) it was the weirdest thing that one was definitely super weird but like builds character and it gives you a good story so (laughs) I'm not complaining yeah I feel like that could like also mess with your mindset of you know you have your like pre-race ritual and like this is what you eat and this is what you do like how do you handle it when things are yeah you just have to adapt to them and they're not like what you expected whether it's food or like just other things yeah I find like the main thing I do is I like enjoy when I get there I go to like the local grocery store and I try to find the most like appetizing snacks and stuff like that so I don't bring my own I like to like kind of find new ones and I just like yeah I like going to the grocery store and getting snacks and like juices and like chocolate milk because eastern european chocolate milk is always a little different but like it's super fun to always have and yeah I think that's basically my ritual like I like to try different snacks and find my new favorite snack in the country. <laughs> I like that. That's cool because it's like a perfect ritual that allows you to like have that adaptability versus if you're like, I need to eat this the night before and then you go and it's octopus, you're going to yeah, be kind of thrown off. Yeah. I found like you just can't, like I have like a, a ritual, but not too much at home. I just find like, it's easiest to just be adaptable to the situation. Like nothing is going to be what you're used to, especially when you travel to different countries. And so it's best to like, kind of make the best of the situations. <laughs> yeah. Sticking on like the food topic. Cause I love that we're like talking about like eating pizza and cereal and like all these things that I guess people wouldn't probably expect, especially when it comes to like female athletes. And there's a lot of stuff in the news now talking about like female athletes under eating and things yeah. like that. Have you had like any experience with that? Have you, you've seen like with your teammates, like what has been the overall like culture, like that you've experienced with, uh, I guess like food and being an athlete. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's gone up and down, especially when COVID hit. So like when I was, um, like before COVID, we were traveling, like every winter we'd spend pretty much, um, living in Florida and we would train like three to four times a day, every day we'd have like Sundays off. So I would, you know, I was basically eating whatever I went, wanted, like whenever I wanted, (laughs) was having like ice cream for dinner, like cereal, like every time I was snacky and stuff like that, because it didn't really matter. And like, you have to eat or else you won't recover and stuff. But then I definitely found like when I got home, when COVID hit and like the period of time between not really knowing what was happening until like the next first training camp, I found like, I got really wrapped up in the like, what female athletes like should look like to be like attractive and stuff like that and then I got really self-conscious of what I was eating and I started like kind of dieting not really but like definitely watching what I was eating and like feeling like I was gaining weight or like I wasn't 
looking a certain way and stuff like that. But it's been nice because recently I've really like, I've honestly just been eating like whatever I want. And it's definitely the way to go, but it's hard to like seep into that mentality every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's like something I think female athletes almost have to fight because it's part of the culture and it's like what we see on social media. And then you're like, well, I need to look like this or this, or I'm not training hard or like I ate this, so I need to burn this off. But yeah, yeah. like as an athlete, like you got to eat to recover and perform. And like, I think the other day I made a video on, uh, like I was making French toast on my day off and I was like remembering on how, like on rest days, I think even like, I definitely went through this and I know like a lot of other people did where it's like, Oh, I'm not training today. So I shouldn't eat as much. But then you're like, wait a second. What's the point of a rest day? It's like literally yeah. to like fuel yourself to recover. So then you're feeling good to start your training week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, literally like you have to eat on the rest day in order to get the energy back to like continue your week just as well as you did the last week. But yeah, like, especially like TikTok nowadays and Instagram and stuff, like it's hard to not like be like, oh, like, why don't I look this way or something that but you ha- like, I always have to remind myself that like, I'm in sport to perform, not to like look, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I have to remind myself sometimes because everybody goes to the gym and works out for their own reasons. And like, I totally respect every, anyone that works out in general because like working out is hard but it definitely is hard when you're like a fitter like stronger female athlete when you are compared to like men sometimes because it hurts your confidence every once in a while you know (laughs) yeah I feel you I feel like we talk about this when we're training and like at the gym a lot and that segues perfectly into I wanted to like talk about that body image and like being more muscular and stuff like that and you were saying the other day uh I guess it's probably the first day I saw you since you got back from your trip that you went to like a normal gym and then the the girl at the gym was like kind of harassed you about what you were wearing. But then there was other girls who were wearing less and they bugged you about it. Someone who was more muscular, like tell me about some of those experiences. Cause like that actually like made me very angry. Yeah. I was like in the moment I was just honestly like so hurt. And <laughs> like, I was just really, I'm a pretty emotional person though, in general. <laughs> so it was kind of hard to like stand up for myself or say anything about it. So I was just like really sad. But yeah, I was just like wearing like my Lululemon tank top and like some like quarter leggings or whatever. Yeah. And um, I'm like not someone who goes to the gym and wears like inappropriate clothes to begin with. And like I'm like there to train there to like work. I'm not really like there to show off or anything. And yeah, I like the female employee came up to me and told me that my top was inappropriate and that I wasn't allowed, like, I can't wear that next time and things like that. And I was just so like, I was like, so stunned. I was like in shock. <laughs> it's like, you look around, like those girls with their sports bras and like wearing shorter shorts and stuff. And like, I, it doesn't bother me. Like if you're comfortable wearing that to the gym, like you're comfortable wearing that to the gym, good for you, you know? But like coming up to someone like, to someone telling them that their clothes are inappropriate or something is just like a lot more hurtful than people would assume, I think. Yeah, I definitely think so because you like, especially when it's like the double standard, because you see people like wearing less or whatever it is. 
and you're like, okay, hey, why are you approaching me? And yeah, I, I don't think that's like ever okay to like approach somebody about their body or like what they look like or what they're wearing. I think that's also like the main issue with like in schools when they say you can't wear this or this, it makes, yeah, it's makes you so uncomfortable as like a woman or a girl, like getting these comments from somebody um, who has kind of like authority over where you are, what you're doing, telling you like what you can and can't do. And it's super unfortunate. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's super frustrating. And like, there was some girls in the gym that day too, that came up to me and was like, your back is so cool. It's so big. Like I can't, I want to work out and stuff. You know, that stuff like is so great. Cause I love like motivating people and I love like being passionate about working out and stuff like that. So I was just like, yeah, very confused, really like uncomfortable in my body after that. And like, just had a terrible workout afterwards, but I like reached out to the gym because I wanted to tell them that like, that was like harassing and I felt really uncomfortable being in the gym at the time and their answer was kind of ridiculous their answer was like if you were a member you would know the rules so basically they were like since you're not paying for like a full membership like you don't know the rules and I was just like are you kidding me like oh my gosh oh my goodness yeah that's crazy like what are they saying that all of those other people who are wearing different things or less or similar things are not members either and they don't know or yeah, like it's like oh. I could not understand that because like when I go to gyms I usually buy like 10 like 10 day passes that you can use like whenever because I'm never in town for longer than like two weeks usually yeah and so I was like super confused and then they also said like he wanted to emphasize I can't speak anyway he said that like um emphasize shirt wasn't inappropriate but it was borderline so I was like first of all if it's borderline don't come up to me because I'm not breaking any rules and like just like leave me alone you know (laughs) so weird Oh my God. Yeah, that's, it's, it is crazy. And like, yeah, I definitely feel you on being like a emotional person. And like, I don't like confrontation. So I'm, I like, I was thinking about that a lot. Like when I got back, I was like, what the heck that like really bothered me. And I was like, if I saw them say that to you, I think I would say something, but if it happened to me, I would definitely like just leave crying or something. Yeah, I literally <laughs> cried in the bathroom I was, while I was leaving. I was like changing and just like, I started crying because I just didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah, so that is, yeah. <laughs> that is so not chill but I I also think that's like I mean even like my reaction I was like that's why it's important to I don't know like have friends that like support you and different things because like I know I wouldn't speak up for myself but like I know other people would speak up for me and like vice versa um but it's so awkward when you're by yourself or like yeah you, you just like you have those encounters and especially like even online like those things happen and you're just kind of by yourself having to take it in and that can be really difficult Oh my God, for sure. Yeah. It's super frustrating. It's like, I mean, in a gym, you're supposed to be promoting like everybody's body type. You're supposed to be promoting like just being fit and healthy and like having a good time in the gym and stuff like that. Cause that's what working out is all about. Like the community, the passion, and just like being fit together and living longer, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just like, man, it was just like clear at that moment that like, okay, this gym targets like skinny people because like anybody who was wearing anything less than me was like clearly a lot skinnier than I was and like in the eye of social media probably more attractive or something you know 
and it was like just super super frustrating in the setting and stuff yeah like it is well it's upsetting because the fact that they brought that up like made you feel like that because then you notice like who they weren't talking to and who was wearing less and vice versa which it's like if they never brought that up you would have probably had the opposite experience because you had some of those girls going up to you and saying like oh yeah like your strength is inspiring your back is inspiring like these things so it it is just mind-blowing that that's still happening like in this day and age yeah for sure super annoying yeah like moving on to like your journey in sprint canoe so sprint canoe was it was a new sport to the past olympics like this past summer correct yeah yeah i guess i didn't like introduce myself or anything oh that's all good (laughs) we're we're going with the flow (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so i have been in sprint canoe since i was like 12 years old um i started in it just like doing the summer camp because I recently moved here from Edmonton, Alberta, and like wanted to make friends and all that. And then the years kind of went by, and I guess I just never really stopped doing the sport. (laughs) So I just kind of ended up um, where I am now. But yeah, it's been like a super crazy experience. Like this sport is super amazing. Um, I've loved every second of it. It's super hard work, and that's what I really like doing. Um, But yeah, sprint paddling has been in the Olympics for like this could be wrong, but it's been in this Olympics for a long time now. And women's canoe recently got added to the 2020 Olympics. So it's right. a very new discipline in the Olympics, but it's been in world cup since like forever. Okay. So I'm not really, yeah, it took a while to get to the Olympics, but we made it. <laughs> yeah. Like tell me about that because how come what men's canoe was in the Olympics, correct? And then mm-hmm. they just, they finally added women's canoe. Why was there that discrepancy? I have no idea, honestly. Like, I it seems like when we talk to other countries and stuff, like just nobody like wanted to take women's canoe seriously for some reason. Like men's canoe was just like such a male dominance side of it. And like no one really took it seriously. So only like a few coaches in the world really took it seriously, including one of the Canadian coaches, which is why like the Canadian women's canoe team is so strong. Cause like they were the only ones that put the time and effort in making a team. So it's, I have no idea like what like happened in the past. And like, it's so crazy to think that like, we only got added to the Olympics like last year. Like I still haven't wrapped my head around that. (laughs) Yeah. That blows my mind. Like it's seems, yeah. It's just so crazy to see. um, Like we talk about the past, I feel like inequalities between women and men, like obviously there's still a lot of things like wrong in that front now, (laughs) but like we look back and we're like, Oh, like the 1960s or this. And it's like, it's, it was 2020 and then they got moved to 2021 Um, that women's canoe finally got added after men's canoe was there for so long it just makes no sense no it's honestly so mind-blowing because like it's been in worlds and any international race since I can remember like it's been there forever but like it wasn't good enough for the Olympics for some reason and it's so crazy it's so crazy yeah well now I'm glad that it's in what has been like your journey like to get there because I know that's a big dream of yours is competing at the next Olympics how was it trying to qualify for this past one and uh and like how was it competing on like the world champs circuit and all that kind of stuff um qualifying for the last Olympics was pretty tough um with COVID and everything like things panned out in a way that just 
made it clear that politics play a large aspect in sports, which I didn't really know until last year because I didn't try for the Olympics at any point. But yeah, so I was definitely, it was a big eye opener. I was like, okay, so politics basically determine everything when it comes to the Olympics. (laughs) But other than that, like it was a great like journey. I'm still enjoying it, obviously, but we had a tough winter so we usually spend our winters in Florida but last winter we ended up spending the entire winter in BC which they named the camp the like warm weather camp and it was just not that whatsoever we like stayed in a little school by a lake with a tiny gym like the size of just like an outdoor like garage you can get from Canadian Tire and like and we had calf food cafeteria food every single day that was like frozen like vegetables that they just dethought and gave us gave us to us um it was an experience <laughs> and then basically like a week before olympic trials it snowed for like eight days so we couldn't paddle for like eight days oh my gosh it was a mess it was a mess but you know it's like i have so many great stories from it now but like in the time i definitely was not enjoying it <laughs> yeah I, I can definitely imagine. And then, uh, what was like, what is that process? Like I know for snowboarding, it was like kind of like a year of world cups and then your average ranking, well, you had to open up quota spots and then based on how many quota spots, it'd be like, okay, you know, your country can determine who's going to take those quota spots. And for us, it was like who performs best at these few world cups leading up to the Olympics. What's it like for you guys? So it's pretty much the same for us. Um, we just had a big old, bump in the road as they say a while ago (laughs) so like for the world championships like you have to come top five to get a quota spot for the olympics and so um our top women's canoe athlete tested positive for steroids oh my gosh (laughs) so she wasn't able to race anymore which um yeah it was terrible so like we ended up not getting enough quota spots so we only had one okay uh, which is like going into like the first olympics of women's canoe um not great it's a pretty upsetting situation um anyway so this girl who tested positive she's like the best women's canoe in the entire world she has like five world records she's won like 14 world titles like she's an incredible athlete um And yeah, so she tested positive and it really didn't do well for the group because we didn't have her anymore and her C2 partner didn't have a C2 partner. And um, so we lost a lot of quota spots and a lot of time. Um, So then fast forward to like the Olympic trials, we only really had one spot for the Olympics. So there there wasn't two, um, there was just one. And it was kind of a mess because we ended up taking it from a different discipline so that oh. the girl who tested positive could go with this other girl to race D2. Oh, we, so she didn't get banned for like four years? No, she didn't. Oh, interesting. They, I have, yeah. I'm going to have to look up like the reasoning. I'm yeah. so confused. It's crazy. Um, I don't really know why, like there was a point where I was really like, I was super confused and kind of upset because they weren't treating her like they would treat anybody else from any other country. But then I kind of just like had to, I put it aside and was like, they'll deal with it. I can't do anything in this situation. Like, I'm just going to let it go. But yeah, she ended up coming back. She had, was suspended for like 
a few months or something. Oh, and so maybe she like back. won her like appeal or something. Yeah, you can read into it if you want to, because the like the whole case is kind of insane. Like, yeah, I'm she, definitely gonna look it up. I'm always <laughs> so curious about these things. Like, it's my- yeah, it's kind of wild. She um she got she got steroids in her system because of her boyfriend. Oh, so she, okay. Wait, there was a, something like this in CrossFit, but the person didn't win the yeah. appeal, and I people were pretty doubtful about that. But like, oh, wow. Okay, I definitely got to read into this because if she actually yeah. would win the appeal <laughs> based like on this, have, like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't expose the whole situation or anything, but like, yeah, you could read into it. It's pretty crazy. But yeah. anyway, she came back. They both ended up going to the Olympics, and they got. To, she got the girl who was suspended got two medals in the end she got c1 and the c2 and then the other girl had a c2 medal so it was it was really great in the end it, it ended out well like they all went to the olympics and everything was fine but yeah i definitely came to realization that like they made a team for the olympics like in 2019 and mm-hmm. like i don't think it, even like how the races went at trials I don't think it was going to change. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I've, I know that situation. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely where it's like, there's a few athletes that they're definitely like pushing to like, hey, these are going to be the people. And unless something crazy happens, like those are going to be the people. Yeah, so like with the whole case situation, like me and my C2 partner were like, okay, we have an opportunity here. Like we could potentially make it. Um, yeah, that didn't happen sadly. <laughs> but like it ended up just being a pretty like, we got to like Olympic trials and just like, man, like we really went through like the worst winter of our lives and like didn't even get a chance to make it or anything. So it was kind of upsetting, um, but it was okay. Cause I had a great season afterwards. I got to go to Portugal and Denmark for world cup. And, I mean, senior worlds and U two three worlds. So that was like a really great experience and all that good way to end the season. But yeah, the, beginning of it wasn't like amazing (laughs) yeah I definitely can imagine you put in all that work and you think you have a chance and then it kind of you realize that in the whole end you might not have been given that opportunity that you thought you had how do you like bounce back mentally to like keep pushing especially for the next olympics knowing that some of those things can be out of your, your control but like how do you focus on what you can control um yeah, I, well, I have this quote that I use, like, just control the controllables. So, like, I don't know. Um, I was pretty disappointed for a while and stuff like that. But um, it helps that the next Olympics isn't as far away, honestly. Like, the fact that it got pushed back means that, like, it's just a shorter amount of time to push. And that kind of helps. And also racing at the end of the year just, like, re-motivated me. Not racing for, like, two years was, like, kind of tough. Yeah. And then watching all of these two girls compete at the Olympics when I really wanted it to be me. Like it sucked. It really hurt. But then getting to Portugal and racing my race, uh, like just got me back into it and got my motivation up again. I love that. And what's your, like, okay, we were training this morning and I would love yeah. to know, or like share on the podcast, what's your training schedule look like? Cause you were telling me that that training camp that you were just at is pretty crazy. And I think, um, it'd be cool for people to get insight into like how much you're actually training. Yeah. So when we go, so I go to California, Chula Vista, California for, um, uh, training and our schedule is basically we train four times a day so we paddle in the morning and then we usually have like second breakfast we go to the gym 
Second um, breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Second breakfast. I had breakfast in the, before the paddle, breakfast after the paddle. <laughs> yes. And then paddle, uh, gym, paddle, run. That's basically what the days look like. <laughs> so like how many hours of training in a day would you say? Pretty much just the whole day. day. I don't know. I could tell you in a week because I have it on training weeks, but like, so we finished a week at like, I think one of the, like the heaviest week was like almost 27 hours or something. Okay. Which is like a decent amount. <laughs> yeah. What do you do to like recover physically between training days and like in between training weeks? Um, so this camp was the first time that I actually only had one day off in the total of five weeks I was there. So it was definitely like a learning curve for recovery. I found that like, I was going to bed at like eight 30 every night. I was like lights out dead asleep at eight 30 and I would get up at around like six 30. Um, I found like the main thing for recovery was just like eat lots, drink lots, just sleep lots. (laughs) That was about it. And like around, since we're all like doing the same program, like every discipline that was there, um, it was kind of nice. So we were all like suffering together and found time to like do things together. So like every Sunday night, we would all watch euphoria together and stuff like that. And every time there was a UFC fight going on, we'd always put it up in the cafeteria and watch together and stuff like that. So it was good. It was good. I found Recovery is mainly sleeping and like distracting yourself from what you have to do the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you had like that team aspect. And that leads me to like, I want to ask you about what's the team aspect like? Cause you're competing other than like in C2 and stuff um, yeah. as like, it's an individual sport, but you seem to have that team camaraderie with, you know, your other teammates, competitors from Canada. How do you guys support each other? Um, well, it's really helpful because like, we have like the women canoe discipline, but then we also have men canoe, women's kayak and men's kayak down there. So like oh, okay. you're competing with like all your women's canoe people. So every once in a while you really have to like separate and like, and then regroup when you feel less like, because sometimes, you know, you get into that like fighting mode and it's hard to knock at your feelings, which is like a normal thing. Yeah. Um, but it's really nice having all the other disciplines down there. Cause if you need to hang out with somebody, it's not like, you're just with your one discipline you can hang out with all like your men's kayak friends or like your women's kayak friends and stuff like that and yeah we all definitely get along really well and we all like just work so hard and just find time to do fun things and it's yeah it's pretty sweet that's awesome that's great also so we talked about like managing your recovery physically like day to day how do you like prioritize like your mental health when you're training and you're traveling and you're away from home and doing like that much training yeah I find like honestly with that much training sometimes it was kind of hard to think about it (laughs) because like I would just train for so long and then as soon as I stopped training I would just be asleep anyway (laughs) so like (laughs) it was honestly like it kind of helped to not like to be so distracted um but usually like sometimes when I'm away like in Europe for so long it can get a little tough but um through COVID it was it got a little easier to like be away for so long and like being using Zoom and like FaceTime and I managed to get like a good sports psychologist to really help me like take my mind off of things sometimes um but yeah it's a like the mental stuff the biggest thing mentally though I find is sometimes you think too much about like the next practice you have coming 
So like what I try to do is not think about it because if you think about it, then you're doing the practice twice. Mm. And like you only want to do it once, like because the first time you're doing it in your head and you're making it 10 times worse than it needs to be. <laughs> so you might as well just do it one whole time and then it's just done. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good tips. I actually I've noticed something like that similar lately, especially like training um, at Tommy's place, which is where we were this morning. Like we I follow whatever like programming he's doing. And so sometimes I've just been like, wait, I don't even know what we're doing like I think yeah. last week and then the week before there was like three days it had max lifts and I had no idea until we got to it <laughs> I was like oh I am like not mentally prepared for this but it ended up like that being helps. good versus I would have gone to sleep like thinking okay I have to hit a new PR like this is what I'm aiming for how like like think about how the movements and this and this and like sometimes like obviously there's positives to visualization and like planning yeah. But like you said, like it's mentally draining to do that twice over when you have to keep repeating that day in and day out. And especially like if you want to kind of simulate that competition experience where you might not know what's going to happen or things like that, it's, it's almost a little bit better on the mind to not have to go over all that the night before and just kind of walk into the training session and be like, I'm ready to do whatever I have to do today. Yeah, exactly. Like that's what I had to do the most. Like I wasn't looking at what I was doing the next day. If I knew I had a 10K though, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to do it. But then I was like, <laughs> don't think about it. Just wake up and do it. It's fine. <laughs> I love that. So like mid mid training or like mid racing, because I, I can only imagine like the distances that you're racing probably get really hard, like with the lactic acid and like just, yeah, yeah the pain. What, how do you overcome that to keep pushing? Like, what do you say to yourself or what do you do when it gets like really, really tough? Um, I think, well, like the hardest race for me, like I raced 200s and 500s and then at senior worlds, we raced 5Ks for some reason. Oh my Um, gosh, (laughs) it's like a totally different discipline. Yeah, it's like a random one, but 500s, I honestly find the hardest, like 5Ks aren't even that bad. Just 500s, because they're not like, they're not a thousand meters and they're not 200 meters. They're like a really long sprint. Mm, Kind of like doing (laughs) a mile run. Yeah, but you're just kind of like, so halfway, you're like halfway, like in a good way, but then you're like halfway. (laughs) (laughs) Got to keep going. Yeah, I think the main thing I tell myself is just like, why I I sing a song when I do my races. Like I honestly try not to think about what I'm doing while I'm doing it. I'm just kind of distracting myself. And then at the end of the race, I'm like, ah, okay, did it. Let's think about what I just did. I like that. I think I used to sing songs when I played hockey also, like in the middle of a hard shift, I just like have a song in my head over and over. Yeah. It's easier. Cause like, I find like if I'm thinking during a race, then I'm like, something's wrong. Like I have to be <laughs> like, just not thinking about what I'm doing and just going. And if I'm thinking I'm like, something might happen, something like maybe I'm not going hard enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just, the thoughts keep going. So I just, it's, if I don't start singing a song, then it usually doesn't go very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great pro tip. Anyone who's like struggling through a workout or like a mid race <laughs> or like competition or a game or something, just singing a song like that, distracting yourself. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes you just got to turn your mind off, right? And just trust the training and like, just go. Yeah. And sometimes it is a lot easier said than done, but like once you kind of figure it out, it, it really helps. Awesome. So what's, 
uh, I think a lot of people like coming out of lockdowns and now things are opening up, they're getting back into training or back into their sports. So they had experiences like you where they were off for so long, not being able to compete. What would be your like top tips or things that you do when you're not feeling motivated? Like you just don't feel like training today or you don't feel like, like putting in the work, I guess. Yeah. Like there's definitely days like that where you just kind of feel a little sluggish and stuff. But I found like the main thing through COVID and not training was like just remembering like why I love not training, but just like working out so much. Like I love working out because it makes me feel really good. And like if I get a run in in the morning, I feel like I can take on the day and I just feel really good. And like and also if you're if you're like in a certain sport, it was super nice for me to like not do our regular training. Mm -hmm. Like I was doing more trail running and doing more like CrossFit and doing more like swimming and stuff and doing other things just like reminded me how much I liked working out and that I don't have to do like our set schedule in order to stay fit. There's so many fun things to do and to stay fit. So yeah, it's just like finding the fun in it. It like really helped. I love that. Like finding the why and the fun in it. That's awesome advice. There are three questions I ask every guest. They're pretty, pretty quick. Um, the first one is out of all your daily habits, what is the single biggest game changer for you? Oh, my daily habit. Oh, I don't even know. Cause sometimes, <laughs> sometimes my, like my days, like when I find a training camps, like I go into like autopilot. I don't even know what's happening. My body's just moving. Yeah. And like, I'm just like dead inside, but like my body's like, okay, paddle time, gym time, stuff like that. I would say just like my biggest habit that helps is honestly just like eating. <laughs> like if I'm craving a cake, I'm going to go get a piece of cake or something like that. And like, that always makes me feel so good. <laughs> that yeah. might just be very, well, know, people say like food. food is fuel, but it's also comfort. It's like the memories we have with a certain food. It's like, yeah, you, food is also like celebration. Like you, you like for birthdays, we have cake or like we're yeah. we finished this event. So we celebrate with this or, um, <laughs> yeah. And I think that can be, I guess, it can be overlooked as an athlete, but they can have a, like, it can have a huge impact on your mood and your mental health. What, even if it's, for example, okay, cake, maybe it's not the healthiest food, like physically, but mentally, if that's actually helping us like decompress, recover, get through the training session and be like, Ooh, at the end, I'm going to have this. Um, it can yeah, exactly. be a positive versus not having it. Yeah. Like I, like, I like to bake a lot. So like, I like to make cakes and cookies and stuff. And I find like making it and then like, it's just, I love like that's definitely one of my biggest like things that get me through the day like I love coming home and like baking a cake and like sharing it with my friends and my family and all that like it just yeah I really enjoy doing that stuff awesome all right the next one is uh picture you're like at the end of your life and you're like looking back on everything you've done yeah it's kind of a dark question in that sense (laughs) (laughs) you're almost dead not quite um and uh yeah you're looking back what is the impact that you wanted to have made in one word? What is the impact? Yeah. Hmm. I hope that I like inspired like young, like athletes and female athletes to like continue what they're doing. I've had like a lot of people in my life and like a lot in my academic life of like people that are just not supportive or jealous or just that don't think it's a good idea and stuff like that. And sometimes like it gets really hard. Like I got 
told that I wasn't going to be successful in more than one thing at a time in SAGEP and that like when I left for my international competition, my teacher told the administration that I went away for partying for a week. Like I have had a, yeah, I've had a lot of people that really don't believe in like my goals and my dreams. Even my gym teacher, my gym teacher told me that going to the Olympics was an unrealistic goal. (laughs) And she gave me 11% in gym class. (laughs) Oh my God. I could not imagine giving you 11% in gym class. Yeah. So I really hope that I've just like inspired young athletes to like continue their journey and just not even athletes, just people like you're going to have so many people in your life to tell you that you're not doing the right thing or that they don't believe in you and just don't support you and stuff. But that's just because they're jealous and they haven't achieved what they want to achieve in their own life. And like, it's hard. It's hard because it gets to you sometimes, but I found like, you really just got to push through that barrier and like do the things that make you happy. Cause if you're not happy, then there's no point in doing what you're doing, you know? So I just have inspired people to get their dreams done. <laughs> I love that. Well worded. That's awesome. Um, the last one is what do the words all in mean to you? All in all in means just like, just go for it. Like just do what you want to do. And like things will happen along the way. You'll get opportunities. You'll see, meet new people, go new places. Just like do everything that makes you happy and gives you joy in life. And if that's working out, yay. If that's school, yay, you know, everything. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I guess now we got to recover for training tomorrow morning. (laughs) Luckily we have like a fairly light training week, so I'm feeling good about this. (laughs) Um, But although Tommy, I think he's going to make us do some crazy stuff on the Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So maybe that's why we're doing some recovery, more recovery stuff now. My whoop told me that today was active recovery and I was like do you remember me laying on the ground after that workout? yeah I was about to say that workout was tough that was yeah. not active recovery yeah it was not active recovery so yeah I'm just gonna ignore the fitness tracker the watch whatever it says because I know how it felt yeah uh, but yeah thank you so much for coming on this was awesome yeah thanks for having me it's been it's nice to talk about all this stuff and female athlete to female athlete <laughs> Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.